Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard on Chorus Radio each week. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. On this week's podcast, we're going to talk about the car rental business. Apparently, renting one isn't as easy as you think. So in a few moments, we'll discuss what's going on when it comes to renting a car and some of the alternatives. Then we'll head to the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, home to the Blackburn Inn, a place that has a rich past long before it became a hotel. It's a fascinating story, which we'll hear in our hotel spotlight. And you may have heard that Las Vegas is wide open for business, so later in the podcast we'll get an update on what's happening in Vegas these days. But as I mentioned, we're going to begin our podcast talking about the car rental business. Apparently, renting one isn't as easy as you think. So joining us now to discuss what's going on when it comes to renting a car and some of the alternatives is Chris Elliott. He's a travel journalist, consumer advocate, and author of the book, How to Be the World's Smartest Traveler. And his website is Elliott.org. Hi, Chris. Hey, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. A lot of turmoil going on in the car rental industry these days. What's happening? Give us the lowdown. Well, what's going on is that there's a massive shortage of rental cars. uh, And the reason why is that most of the car rental companies sold off their fleets during the pandemic. And they thought that they would not come back. A demand would not come back. And it came back much faster than they thought. When they tried to buy new cars, there was a chip shortage. So they couldn't buy the new cars. So now you have this extreme shortage and very, very high prices, too. It's a great big oops that comes into my mind. It's like, oops, mm-hmm. shouldn't have done that. Should have been like the airlines and just parked them. Well, there are a lot of reasons why they couldn't do that. Um, you know, the uh, rental cars are replenished much faster than planes are. Mm. But, uh, you know, because, you know, you don't want to be driving a, a an older model. And uh, and uh, so they they really made a fundamental miscalculation. The result is it's just troubling for for anyone who is traveling anywhere this summer, and that is if you uh, if you have a reservation, there might not be a car for you. Uh, if you do make a reservation, you might pay three or even four times more than you're used to paying. Well, yeah, and that's the problem, right? And uh, even if there is a vehicle, it may not be the the kind that you want or need. If you have a family of four or six, and you're in a small compact car that doesn't help or vice versa there's just a one or two of you and you've got a huge you know uh suburban or something like that that doesn't help either right just to give you an idea of how crazy this has gotten i've talked to people who have instead of getting a rental car they've rented a u-haul <laughs> and so you can imagine someone on vacation driving a pickup truck around this was in hawaii you, you definitely get the looks there are alternatives, though. Uh, you know, um, Uber comes to mind. What are some of the things that uh, that you think of? Uh, Uber and Lyft both now, in addition to having you know the traditional uh, peer-to-peer car sharing, they actually have rental cars that they sell now through partnerships with traditional car rental companies. Those can be a little bit cheaper, so you can save some money. But then you also have car sharing companies. You're probably already familiar with Turo and Get Around. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like an Airbnb for cars. And um, those, those are great options. There's a new option now called Avail, which is uh, owned by Allstate. So you get insurance with the car, and that's been one of the big issues with rental car companies, with car sharing, but also with the rental car companies is getting insurance. Um, and um, they, they also do things like clean the car for you, and you don't have to deal with the owner. They'll handle everything. So the, you know, those are ways you could probably save about 20%, but that still is 20% over these very, very high rates already. 
So you, you might be in for some sticker shock. Uh, is this just a U.S. problem or is it sort of worldwide? It's, uh, I'm seeing it everywhere, but most, most of the time it's in, in North America. It is in areas that are difficult to reach and that have a lot of tourists. So, for example, Alaska and Hawaii rank very, very highly for having the most expensive uh, rental cars and the least availability. I spoke with someone who was going to Anchorage for a vacation and called and just to verify that they had a car for him, and they told him, we don't have a car for you. And he had to cancel his vacation. Oh, my gosh. Well, and it just coincides with the fact that if you're going to Hawaii or Alaska, those are the areas where most people actually do rent a car to drive around <laughs> and, and tour the areas on their own, right? Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, now what we're seeing is people redoing their whole vacation so that they're going to a place where they can walk. Um, you know, for example, Montreal is a phenomenal walking city. Um, even Toronto is great, too. And, and then, you know, you have New York City. Places like um, I mean, Chicago, if, if you can get there, <laughs> there is that little border problem that we're having. But here in the States, at least, that's what people are doing. They are trying to totally bypass the rental car option. Uh, any other tips or advice people should be uh, trying through the summer? My number one tip is to make a car rental reservation at the same time that you make your airline reservations. Most people think of the car rental re- reservation as an afterthought. So one or two days before they leave, they'll go, ah, I think I'm going to get a rental car. If you do that, you're not going to have a rental car this summer. So make it when you make your uh, plane reservations and hotel reservations. Good advice. Chris Elliott uh, is a travel journalist, consumer advocate, and author of the book, How to Be the World's Smartest Traveler. You can find lots of information on his website, Elliot.org. That's Elliot with two L's and two T's. Uh, always uh, a real pleasure to chat with you, Chris. Thanks for making the time. Likewise, no problem. So for our hotel spotlight this week, we head to Stanton, Virginia, home to the Blackburn Inn, a place with a fascinating story behind it. And here to tell it is Frank Strassler. He is the executive director of the historic Stanton Foundation. Uh, Tell me about uh, the area of Stanton, uh, where the Blackburn is, uh, Blackburn Inn rather, uh, is in Virginia. Where's it located and what's the area like? Well, we are located in what people refer to as the western portion of Virginia, actually the Shenandoah Valley. We're in the heart of the Shenandoah Valley. We are between the Allegheny Mountains and the Blue Ridge Mountains, uh, if people want to focus on their geography. Um, And uh, it is green and verdant, at least this time of year, and here in in June, and uh, with views of mountains on either side of us. Well, it sounds wonderful. I am looking at the Blackburn Inn website, blackburn-inn.com. It's got a fascinating story behind it. So take us back to the, uh, be- the beginnings of the, the, of the Blackburn Inn. Okay, well, um, historically, um, the, the campus was constructed as the uh, Western Lunatic Asylum. Um, that sort of a jarring name to us today, but that's what they call it. And um, Stanton, Virginia, developed um, in what at that time was the center of the state. Remember that uh, uh, the, the Civil War divided the state, uh, and now what is West Virginia was once part of all of Virginia. 
But so at that time, Stanton was in the center of the state and had some pretty good political influence and had started to attract attention of the state legislature. So some state institutions were built here in the western part of Virginia to serve this area, and one of those was the Western Lunatic Zone. Um, the Blackburn Inn, now housed in that, fully rehabbed and, and just stunningly gorgeous. The main campus there uh, began in 1835, I believe. Um, really is just a stunning Greek revival, uh, beautiful piece of Greek revival architecture. Um, and as a, as a mental institution, uh, it remains probably one of the oldest in North America, if not in a, not in the world of formal um, architecture designed um, as a mental institution. And when you say mental institution and, and throw out words like lunatic asylum, we kind of cringe mm-hmm. nowadays, right, uh, using do. those words. But uh, the way I understand it, and, um, you know, like there's a lot of generalizations when it comes to, and it, and it probably is due to shows like I, I'm a big fan of uh, American Horror Story. So it, uh, but it yeah. wasn't like that at all, was it? Well, it wasn't. And, and that's what's uh, pretty neat about the facility is that um, this was out of the norm. Um, the first superintendent of the hospital was Dr. Francis Stribling. And his main goal in life was to practice what was called moral medicine. And he developed a mental institution that um, focused completely on healthy human beings, uh, clean living conditions, personal hygiene, nutritious diets, um, and very much emphasized uh, beautiful architecture in landscape architecture. And the people who uh, were patients at the hospital practiced gardening, um, animal husbandry, architectural drawing. They constructed buildings. They developed the beautiful gardens. Uh, they were allowed to walk free on the gardens and, and to enjoy the landscapes. Uh, so it's completely different from what we think of people and what was going on at the time was people being chained to walls and, and this horrible treatment of, of the individual, but this was completely different. So how did it uh, transform, um, becoming from what it was, to what it is today, a hotel and, and, and other things? Yeah, well, it was, a, it was continued to be a, um, a mental hospital right up through the, into the 1950s um, when they expanded and built another campus here in town. And then the facility was taken over by the Department of Corrections and turned into basically a minimum security prison um, surrounded with barbed wire and all those things, which was really a shame. It, it, it was a bit of an eyesore, actually. Um, but the Department of Corrections decided to abandon the facility. Um, and as a preservation organization, our organization, organization Historic Stanton Foundation, they stepped up as well as other people in town said, okay, this can't, this can't be just torn down and turned into a row of McDonald's or, or you know, fast food and things along that line. We, we need to re- retain this beautiful facility. And, of course, the, the Virginia Department of Historic Resources was a partner there, and they had easements on the antebellum structures, uh, which protect them. Um, and so working with the local economic development authority, the city of Stanton, Commonwealth of Virginia, and a number of people, eventually the property transfers to a private owner, with the idea that the whole campus would be not only preserved, but buildings rehabilitated and, and adaptively reused for new use. And so now we see this gorgeous 
what's called the Blackburn Inn and the Blackburn Spa, as well as um, uh, condominiums on the property that are that are created out of these historic buildings and set within this beautiful landscape. And it's also a conference center there, uh, so it really is a hub of activity now, isn't it? It is. It is. And um, we, we held a we held a conference there um, in, in around right, right around 2002-2003 um, to highlight the importance of the facility, and that was just after it had been transferred. Um, the at that point, that was the first time really the public had been allowed on this campus in a hundred years. So. Um, it, it, now we have people coming and going from the campus, and it's vibrant and active, and people really get to truly enjoy this architecture. Mm-hmm. Tell me, um, it must really, does it stand out uh, for, the, for the city of, uh, of Stanton? Is it one of those historic landmarks, or is there so many there that it just it's just one of many? <laughs> of course it's one of many, but it does stand out. Um, it, it, um, it's just on the edge of downtown um, uh, and as you as you enter the community through one of our main thoroughfares, you you go right by this facility. People for years, of, even before it became the the spa and in, they, it turns your head as you drive by it. Um, and and then we have a, a gorgeous downtown um, and surrounded by five historic districts, uh, designated historic districts. Great walking tours, things along that line. So the the Blackburn Inn complex has become uh, one of the you know, favorites of people visiting Stanton, of locals, um, and and it becomes one more just beautiful historic hotel. And it's not a huge hotel. We're not talking, uh, you know, like hundreds of rooms, right? No, no. Right, right. Let me tell you the truth. I don't know how many rooms there are, but they're not, not a, you know, it's certainly not your, your normal hotel with, with hundreds of rooms. Uh, and and surrounded by lots of history, I, th- I would imagine uh, visiting the Shenandoah Valley area, if you're a history buff like me, uh, it would be a great place to visit, wouldn't it? It's, it's a great place to, to not only visit the local community and, and learn its history and enjoy its, its walkability and, and parks and, and beautiful shopping downtown, but, but you can expand from there. It's a great base. Uh, we are 35 minutes from Jefferson's Monticello. Um, we are you know, within 30 minutes of great cave tours. Um, there is a statistic, I believe, there are over 800 miles of walking, to, of hiking trails in the National Forest surrounding Stanton, all within a 30-minute drive. Um, so there's a lot to do from canoeing, kayaking, visiting farms, uh, enjoying breweries and wineries. Uh, Stanton is your perfect base for those activities. Well, you can get a visual of the Blackburn Inn itself. It's uh, quite a structure, quite a historic uh, piece of architecture. Blackburn-inn.com. And Frank Strassler is the executive director of the Historic Stanton Foundation in Stanton, Virginia. It's, uh, it was fun chatting with you, Frank. Thank you so much. It's wonderful chatting, chatting with you, and, and uh, we, we hope to see lots of Canadians coming down to Stanton. Well, you may have heard that Las Vegas has removed all of their COVID restrictions and is open for business. So to give us an idea of what it's like in Las Vegas these days is David Yeskel. 
He recently got back from a trip to Vegas. We usually know him as the cruise guru. He's also known as the Vegas guru, and you can follow him on Twitter at the Vegas guru. His website is thevegas.guru. Hi, David. Hey, Randy. First time since you've been to Vegas since the pandemic started? Yeah, so I ventured back. Um, You know, there wasn't much doing for the last few months, but just in the last last month, uh, Vegas has really started to boom again. So as of June 1st, the casinos were able to open at 100% capacity, but um, I could tell you that even by mid-May when I was there late May, (laughs) it looked like 100%. So uh, people are back out on the strip, the resorts are booming, shows are coming back, it's really, uh, Vegas is really alive again, and it happened fast. Mm-hmm. It seems like it happened fast. Well, I did see uh, the well, the Vegas Golden Knights, as you may or may not know, are uh, yeah. fighting for the Stanley Cup championship, and it's the, their, their house is rocking, so if that's any indication, uh, Vegas is rocking itself, I would think. Yeah, it is, and the city's really excited about the team. Um, you know, this hometown spirit uh, that they never really had before without a, a pro sports team. And the Vegas Golden Knights were the first major pro sports team. You know, the, the Las Vegas Aces, the women, the WNBA team came first. But but the Golden Knights uh, are really kind of re-energized sports in the city. And it, it's really exciting to see. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about some of the new hotels that have opened up. Yeah. So a couple new properties opened um, during the pandemic, believe it or not, uh, only in Vegas, right? <laughs> um, the first is called Circa Las Vegas. So this is the first new hotel to be built downtown Vegas in 40 years. Um, great new property. Uh, two venues of note that I really like inside. One is the world's largest sports book. It's got this massive video wall that looks like you're in the movie Blade Runner 2049. Uh-huh. It's just incredible. And their pool complex is a six-level tiered pool complex. They call it Stadium Swim. It's basically, I call it an over-the-top Vegas pool on steroids, if you can imagine that. <laughs> Only in Vegas. <laughs> Only in Vegas. Uh, and the other new property is the new Virgin Hotel. So I stayed there for two nights. Mm-hmm. So this is the prior Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, just off the Strip on mm-hmm. Paradise. Um, completely reimagined, uh, really eclectic, interesting dining program. And you can forget everything you knew about the old Hard Rock because they basically stripped it down to the bones and rebuilt it with Virgin's look and style. And I think it's great-looking property and a great value. And they have an unusual value proposition for Vegas, that is, no resort fees. I know. I saw a headline on that, and I just went, yay! Yeah, no resort fees and free Wi-Fi and free self-parking. So um, they're all about providing value, and I think this is going to be a big draw. So so for people looking for off-strip, I've seen rooms there as low as 104 per night midweek right now. I don't know if those will last forever, but that's... Uh, no re- with no resort fees and free mm-hmm. Wi-Fi. So, and brand new rooms, really comfortable. Uh, I think it's a great value right now. Well, I hope they start a trend with the no resort fees and the other resorts catch on, but I won't hold yeah. my breath on it, put <laughs> yeah. it that way. Don't hold your, don't hold your breath. I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. But, but meanwhile, they do. You know, Virgin has this unique value proposition, and they're going to try to build on it. And Richard Branson made an appearance, I understand, just following some of your images on, uh, on Twitter. He did, yeah, last weekend. So they had their initial grand opening back in March. You know, it was still under pandemic restrictions, so they couldn't go all out with the party. Mm-hmm. But uh, they did this time around. So Branson was on property. He was talking to some people in the casino. It was pretty cool. And 
and it was a much bigger party and a much uh, a much more appropriate grand opening. What are the buffets like? Or if if there are any buffets, do they still have the buffets? Yeah, so the buffets are starting to reopen. So um, Bacchanal Buffet at Caesars, which is the the largest, of course, reopened. And they had a redo, so they kind of refreshed it and reconfigured it. So more dishes now are individually plated, self served. So you take those, so it reduces uh, touching, you know, common utensils. Mm-hmm. Um, Wicked, Wicked Spoon at the Cosmopolitan opened for a minimum, just a few hours, uh, like on brunch for right now. And uh, the big news this week is the buffet at Wynn opens July 1st. So that, uh, I've always that considered that the city's best gourmet buffet. Uh, that and Bacchanal buffet were the two best. And so that's reopening July 1st. So slowly we're seeing buffets start to come back um, in slightly different forms with a little more service on, on, on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think the buffets have been so iconic for Las Vegas that um, they're going to survive and they're going to come back. Was there any criteria criteria for proof of vaccination or anything like that? No, 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 no nobody's asking for that. They are, you know, up up until June first, um, they were they were saying you know vaccine recommended, and they had their staff, of course, in the hotels. There was a big push to get the staff vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So there were incentives when they got eighty percent of staff vaccinated, they could open the casinos at a higher percentage occupancy. So that was the incentive that the state dangled. Um, but now, of course, since June 1st, um, everything's open mm-hmm. and, and, and no masks required. And, and even, I can tell you, even before that, there were very few masks uh, available, uh, seen by, by visitors on the Strip. Now, you mentioned downtown previously. Uh, is that Fremont Street you're talking about? That is Fremont Street, yep. I yeah, love so Fremont a, Street. Yeah, Fremont Street's great. So the, the you know the Viva Vision canopy over Fremont Street that's mm-hmm. on the, the the nightly shows, that got an upgrade during the pandemic, and it's now like something like ten times as bright with uh, you know millions more pixels, and it's it's really <laughs> bright even during the day. So they're starting to run the shows even during the day because you can see them. And uh, so yeah, there's a lot going on with the with the new Circle Las Vegas and the Viva Vision canopy. Um, downtown's worth a visit again. Nice. Uh, you, now, speaking of shows, there's always a show to see in Vegas. Anything new or anything uh, worthwhile? Yeah, so shows are starting to come back. Um, Cirque du Soleil just announced two openings of the first two shows. So Mystere at uh, Treasure Island will reopen June 28th. And O at Bellagio, which is everybody's favorite, is going to open July 1st. And then um, I, I spoke to a um, a Cirque spokeswoman, she couldn't give me a schedule for when the other shows are going to come back online. They're developing that now, so they should be releasing that soon. But I would expect to see some of their other shows come back maybe once a month, one show per month, mm-hmm. uh, bringing back. But, but by the end of the year, they expect to be in you know, full operation with all five Cirque shows. Well, I'm a big and country I'm, music fan, so I uh, know Keith Urban, I know, is doing shows in September. You've got Carrie Underwood, I think, is doing a residency yeah, yeah. in December. So there's lots down the road, right? Yeah, the residencies are coming back. Uh, they're just announcing some of those, right? At Caesars, uh, Bruno Mars is going to be at um, Park MGM this summer. And, um, you know, I, I like some of the smaller shows, too. So I just show, saw a couple shows uh, that are back. One is Fantasy. And this is, so, this is the longest-running topless review in Vegas. <laughs> it's really a great show. It's not just for guys. Couples can go and enjoy themselves. And this is at Luxor. And it's been running for over 21 years at Luxor. So really? It, 
pretty amazing thing, and that's back. And there's a if uh, people like uh, Prince's music and, and didn't get to see him in real life, uh, there's a, a great facsimile. <laughs> this guy who's got a tribute show at the Tropicana. His name is Jason Tenor. It, the show is called Purple Rain. The the last uh, the word spelled R E I G N, as in a king's reign. Uh-huh. Purple Rain is Tropicana. His Prince tribute, Randy, is spot on. You really? Where you're watching Prince? Is yes. that right? So, to check his, that his out. show is great, and that just reopened at the Tropicana. So, um, yeah, shows are coming back every week. There are more shows um, starting up. Nice. Well, now if we can just get the borders open, that would really be handy right, for us international would... visitors. But uh, yeah, anything we should <laughs> anything we should know. Uh, like I'm going in September, so the timing is excellent. So, uh, anything I should know when I'm when I'm going there. Yeah, so, so right now and for the next month or two, it looks like there's going to be a shortage of Uber and Lyft drivers. So a lot of those drivers left, um, you know, either found other jobs or didn't feel comfortable coming back. So a lot of people became dependent on Uber and Lyft in Vegas pre-pandemic uh, to get around. And uh, those aren't as readily available now. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say just expect to wait a little longer and maybe at the airport or at hotels if you're looking for a Lyft between or an Uber between properties, you know, don't cut it too close on a show. Give yourself time to get around. And uh, and as I said before, you know, very few visitors are wearing masks. They're, uh, Vegas is kind of freewheeling, you know, it always has been, so don't <laughs> be shocked if you, if you don't see people wearing masks. <laughs> well, and and there's, something, there's something new opening I wanted to tell you about, too. Mm-hmm. There's a brand-new resort opening later this month um, called Resorts World Las Vegas. Okay. So this is this new massive casino resort built on the site of the old Stardust, if you remember what that was. Okay. Um, north end of the Strip, about 4,500 rooms. Um, this is the, the biggest opening in Vegas, you know, this year so far, the biggest resort opening. And what's interesting is they're going to have three Hilton-branded hotels under the Resorts World banner, essentially. A Hilton, a Conrad, and a smaller hotel called Croxford's. So all three will be in Resorts World. And they're hoping that this kind of also revitalizes the north end of the Strip, which has been kind of a dead zone in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is big for Vegas and, and for you know people looking for somewhere new to stay, um, Resorts World, Las Vegas. You said 4,500 rooms, right? 4,500 rooms. <laughs> yeah. Only in Vegas. <laughs> Only in Vegas is right. Scaled up appropriately. Exactly. David Yeskel, we also know him as the uh, cruise guru. Today, he's the Vegas guru. You can find him on Twitter, the Vegas or at the Vegas guru, and his website, thevegas.guru. Uh, pleasure to chat. Thanks for making the time, David. Thanks, Randy. Always fun. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveler.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.